0: I must admit, I didn't think much of this show the first time I laid eyes on it. Seemed like a bunch of stiffs wasting nice worst microphones. trade of
1: all time happened back in 1803. Go ahead, Napoleon Bonaparte traded the Louisiana <laughs> Purchase for three million dollars. Napoleon, what happened? <laughs> Half the country for $3 million. You can't even get Tucker Barnhart for $3 million. And I million came to
0: realize anymore. these guys are funny.
1: And Justin
2: Fields have identical stats the last five weeks about throwing the football. This guy, okay, and folks, there is are a fidget some of the best spare.
0: gamblers I've come to know.
2: If you're betting on USC and or TCU, let it be known you are a square.
1: TCU is going to hammer this team tomorrow night.
2: I hate to hear that. When we come back in here on Monday, you're going to be happy as a lark because USC lost, but you're going to be wrong about TCU.
0: Get ready for the most useless hour of your day. It's time for Boxed Lunch, presented by Betfred Sportsbook. Now, Casey, run that track.
2: Copyright free? Copyright free. You know, uh, you know when you're in class, I don't know, Typically, probably, eighth, ninth grade, and you, and you got a system in place with about five or six of your buddies on how you can cheat for a test, and it's foolproof. You know it's going to work. It's been proven to work. And somehow that one person in the class figures out that this whole schematic way is going on on how you can um, do well on a test. Some call it cheating. I call it using your resources. I'm starting to believe that Casey might be that guy that lets the teacher know that there's people cheating in the class.
0: What? Why would you say that?
2: I'm just saying. You're, you're, you're Casey. Mr. Copyright.
1: Casey, were you the guy that the class would almost be over and the teacher's getting ready to wish everyone out of the classroom and he goes, raise your hand and be like, wait, well, you didn't collect yesterday's homework. Were you that, were you that, were you that student? Cause yeah. as a, cause as a person who never did homework, I, that was not my, not my favorite person.
0: Have I not told you guys my senior year of high school, how I made it through all my math classes? Did you cheat? No, I your didn't have to do watching. shit. I was in calculus and pre-calc and i convinced my pre-calculus teacher oh i already learned this so she just gave me a's on everything wow that's the type of student and, i was and 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 there that. you have it
1: i love that we paid casey wrong
2: there you have it casey found a way to scam the teacher <laughs> it might be top five scams of the day at some point Let's get into it. Uh, Tom just mentioned that he's going to be gone next week. We're going to do our best, obviously, to fill his shoes. Those are big shoes to fill, I know, for many of you. However, I think we might be up for the task. Um, At the bottom of the ticker, you will see opening day. We'll have some news on that. Um, But we are going to come your way just like we always do, every single day from 10 to noon. And we'll probably mix box lunch in there from time to time as well next week. But... um, a couple other things on the ticker that are relevant to this conversation right now you'll also see um at least i thought i had it in there maybe i took it out uh cbox idol uh, maybe i took it out if it's if it's not in there i'll talk about it now why not so <clears throat> i'm in a position here at chatterbox obviously where there's there's a we, we all do multitude of things um some of my responsibilities include you know trying to go sell the show make sure everybody's Uh, Checks get cash at the end of the day payroll is made and from time to time doing content like this is difficult for me because it's in the middle of the day and it requires um, a little bit of planning. I'd like for it to be more planning from from myself but it's probably not realistic to do that. So we're in a position where I got to thinking how could we kind of formulate some kind of plan moving forward. Probably going to take place in the middle of the summer and I had this dumb idea yesterday that was What if we just took it to the market? Instead of just assuming we can go find somebody that would be talented enough maybe to do another show, which we have some people in here that are already talented enough, certainly Reed, Paul, and Casey's producing these shows, and half the time Casey's on the shows anyways. So instead of just assuming and we going out and reaching to people that have already done it, what if we just open it up to the public? What if we make an announcement on social media and on all of our platforms that... We are open for business for our next quote-unquote content creator to do a... Maybe it's not a daily show. I don't know what exactly what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But they start putting content together and they do a show just like this. At first, I thought maybe we do 20 people. Maybe we do 15. I don't know. I think I landed on a number of 15. You start with 15 people and they come in here and we just have these quote-unquote, quite frankly, random people that do a show after Tom's 15 days in a row. And then we cut it to 10 and then we cut it to five and then we pick a winner. Now you're probably thinking that's relatively crazy. Many of you maybe want to listen to people that are relatively random or not. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I think it could be hilarious, especially if they're terrible, that would maybe be better than if they were really good at, at first. Certainly you want some good people, right? but I think we just open it up anybody. Thoughts? I mean, oh. I mean, obviously we gotta do some background checks if we ended up hiring this person. But I'll put my, uh, as I usually do around here, I'll put my quote-unquote salary, uh, just put it right back into the pot, and we'll we'll hire somebody. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's not full time. Maybe at first it's like an internship, it's a paid internship. We give them a month, make sure that we're right. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want to go out of the gates and sign like a Deshaun Watson, which we'll get into a minute about Lamar Jackson.
1: I even dare to do that.
2: We don't want to give a bunch of guaranteed money at the beginning, but we want them to prove themselves. Huh. Thoughts on that? Because at some point, is not it, isn't it seem like there's a lot of talented people in this world that just have never really got an opportunity?
1: Well, when I first took this job at Chatterbox Sports back in 2019, I always knew, you're telling me we're going to be covering high school sports, all this all this fun stuff. I always knew that someday we'd get in the reality television business, which is what we're <laughs> heading to. Chatterbox Idol, I'm all for it. <laughs> Just, just, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm ready to go. Let's rock and roll, baby.
0: Do we? Are we all gonna be sitting, like, judging them and, like, they're gonna I, be well, gonna, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's uh, on
1: being Randy Jackson. That's a no <laughs> for me, dog.
2: Yeah, I, I think we, we do their show. They do their show. The show ends. They get a quick little review from the panel, and the chat is gonna probably let them know if they're good or not good. They're gonna. They're, they're, at first, it's gonna be probably incredibly like it is many times is on the internet. Probably pretty negative at the beginning, no matter how good they are. They're just going to get roasted. But if they can survive the chat, if they can survive the idea of being in a room with lights and a microphone in front of them, and, I don't know, 70, 80, 90 people watching them, maybe maybe they'll make it work. Many people think they can do this, and then they get here, and then they can't. Maybe maybe there's people that think they can't do it, and they give it a shot, and they realize they can't. I don't know. But I'm going to put it out there. We're going to put it out there just like it's a job posting. If we get more than 15 applicants, we will do our best to do an interview process to try to figure out, you know, which 15 deserve a chance to go on the screen. And we'll leave it at that.
1: Chatterbox Survivor is going to be electric after we do Chatterbox Idol. Yeah. Chatterbox. We can do Chatterbox uh, Bachelor after that.
2: So that's the first thought I had of the day.
0: Use your microphone.
2: The second thought I have is uh, what are the Bengals going to do about this running back situation that they're in? I think all along, many of the what I would call quote-unquote relatively intelligent people understand that Joe Mixon has to take a pay cut. If, or if he doesn't want to take a pay cut, then he gets, gets cut completely. But we're to the point now where it feels as if the Bengals have kind of put themselves in a corner by waiting so long that you're not really sure exactly which direction they're going to go. I don't know if it matters and again I'm from an outsider perspective I'm not on the day to day grind like many of you are I'm not as knowledgeable about this team as many of you are but I've been around enough people that are relatively knowledgeable to have a basic understanding of where the Bengals are and what they're trying to accomplish. They have till June first right now to make a decision on Joe Mixon right so they theoretically could go through this NFL draft process and figure out maybe if they find their answer in the draft. Um I don't know if you want to lean your 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 hat or, or hang your hat I guess is the right term to use on the idea of a bunch of unproven guys when you're going to try to win a Super Bowl. Although we all agree in here to a certain extent I think that the running back position isn't as important perhaps as people have made it out to be in years past. I still think there's some relevant um concern about not having somebody that has proven themselves to be a decent player back there going into next year. Joe Mixon's going to take a pay cut at the end of the day. I think that's what's going to happen. He's going to try to stay in Cincinnati. And then from there, it's just a matter of uh, what do you get in the draft? I don't know if they're going to spend a second through fourth round pick on a running back. That's kind of my inclination of what I guess they are going to do. And then from there, they're going to move forward and just hope that, you know, that all plays itself out. The crazy part of this is, is that if Joe Mixon decides, which I don't think he's going to, but let's just say he does. If Joe Mixon decides that he's going to not take a pay cut, I want to get paid. He gets cut. He then decides he wants to go somewhere else. I guess the question I have for the the room and also the chat is, what's the next best option? I don't think it's Ezekiel Elliott. I, I really don't. And here's where I'm at with Zeke and here's where I'm at with Mixon to a small extent is they've already slightly proven that when they play on a championship team, both of those key decision makers, whether it be the head coach, and I'm assuming it's the head coach, I I wouldn't assume it's the player personnel or, or general manager, although in Dallas, don't believe that's a thing. They've decided that those guys aren't important enough in some of the most meaningful situations of the year that they're not, quote-unquote, maybe good enough to be out there anyways. So what makes us think one year, one year older on an already aging running back in Zeke Elliott and also Joe Mixon that they're the answer anyways?
0: Well, I don't think anyone thinks that they're the answer. I think they are a band-aid to the bigger problem. I think... Elliot provides you what you're missing with Pirine. And even if we sign Pirine, I think the idea was for us to still cut Mixon because of the money. But honestly, we're talking about the Bengals, who have said time and time again, this guy's a leader, a captain, this, that, and the other. They're going to try to do everything they can to make it work for both parties. And I don't see, personally, I don't see them cutting Mixon. I think you're right trace i think they try to get some sort of deal done where they can save some money um i don't know what that figure is but i just don't see one there's no option i didn't even think there was really an option in free agency this year that was a good enough one to replace mixon and p ryan you know there's not a guy i mean you're maybe talking about like saquon but
2: what if you get gibbs in the draft that's yeah. where I think you start to think about you would just maybe – and, I, and again, I don't know. I'm not a big draft guy. I don't look at the mock drafts as much. But, I mean, Alabama's got a kid named Gibbs that I watched a good amount last year. You're saying that you have no chance of getting him?
1: I'm, I'm saying I don't give a rat's tail, a rat's behind, because there is never once in the past 15 years of National Football League – that you've looked at a team and go, man, this team really needs a running back, or man, this team's really struggling at running back, more often than not, they're a playoff team. They have a good line, and the running back flourishes. I, I've been on this take from the get-go. I couldn't care less who the running back is for the Cincinnati Bengals next year as long as it's not Joe Mixon on $12 million. If we are paying more than $10 million for any running back, I've seen us, our, the Bengals get attached to the name Austin Elk, Elkler. Don't care. If we can get get a guy cheap, that's all that matters. Look at the teams that have flourished in this league. New England Patriots, have they ever had a running back that they didn't just draft randomly? No. Never paid a guy big money. And now the Kansas City Chiefs are on the doorstep of becoming their own dynasty. They don't they don't have any big name running back. They just keep drafting guys late in the rounds. That's the that's the blueprint. Any talk around what the Bengals should do at running back is fruitless because it doesn't matter. The position is a dime a dozen. You can pick up anybody off the street, and if you got a good line, he's going he's gonna to run through the holes. There's hundreds of guys that were successful in college. They'll be successful in the pros if you block for them. Simple as that. I'm not worried about the Bengals' running back room. They, they clogged up one of their biggest problems, and that was the offensive line.
2: Maybe. I, I think that the offensive line is a fickle situation. I think you're always an injury away from having issues, which we, I, I, I'm saying that not because it's just the direct comparison to what happened with the Bengals last year. But I'm saying that is if you look around the league, that the idea of having a healthy offensive line all year long is very, very rare. And I, I just wonder if the Bengals' depth on the offensive line still isn't somewhat of a slight yeah. concern. And it doesn't mean that I think it's going to be a major issue, but it's not one of those things where you you go into it thinking that it's shored up, at least in my opinion. Uh, if you give Joe, Joe Burrow time, I've said it from time and time again, I don't want to keep beating a dead horse up here and having the same takes, is that if you give Joe Burrow time – at the end of the day, that's the only thing that I think can truly slow down this offense. And that's the only thing that's been proven to be able to slow down this offense. It's 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 a la Tom Brady-esque. You know, when Tom Brady's upright and he has time in the pocket, Tom Brady's a machine. When he's struggling in his career, it's no, it's no it's no secret that you know, you get pressure on Brady and all of a sudden he's a different quarterback. So that's the name of the game of football. I don't think the Bengals have completely shored that up. I also don't think that the Bengals are in a position right now to where they need to rush to judgment on trying to find some guy to, to, to sure up the running back room. Even if Joe Mixon leaves, like you said, I, I'm not a Zeke kind of guy, if you want my opinion on it. I don't have anything against him. I just think that it's one of those things where, you're again, you're, you're grasping to a name that his prime is behind him. And quite frankly, last year, if the Cowboys, I, I do think running backs matter because I think the Cowboys last year were going to beat the 49ers until until Pollard went down. And when Pollard went down, that changed their offense pretty immensely. And unfortunately, Zeke was the guy in that offense when it f- started to fall. So it's not like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know if Zeke's still a guy. And I hate to say that. not trying to be uh, a hater.
1: You know what running backs are in the NFL? They are, if you want an analogy, they are the kid that there's a group project, right? And there's that one kid that his, his role is he presents in front of the class. Doesn't do, doesn't do any of the work, doesn't prepare, doesn't write the speech, none of the thing. It's like, hey, you're, you're personable. Here, you go up in the front of class. And then everyone in class sees this great performance from this kid who, who didn't do any work. He's just sitting there giving a speech the class gets an A, and all of a sudden you're like, man, Casey, Casey's great. Casey did a great job on that project. Realistically, it was the five guys, the offensive linemen, that opened up the holes. That's what running backs are. That's all they are.
2: I can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. I uh, Because, the, you know, I I look at Jones with the Packers, and he, he, he's, he wasn't a running back. And next thing you know, he turns into a great running back. And largely based off the fact that, he does have some skill sets that, that allow him to catch the ball out of the backfield and, and run through wide open holes from time to time. Moving forward to Lamar Jackson. I'm so tired of hearing these takes on Lamar Jackson. It's this, that, and the other. You know, we, we, we try to spin these narratives and act like someone's out to get somebody. Is it a little unique probably in the NFL to be dealing with a guy that is representing himself and certainly we we've heard the jokes and talks about how it's, you know, w- well, if he had an actual agent instead of his mother representing him, he'd have had a deal done already. I don't maybe I'm naive, maybe I'm maybe I'm just uh, heads completely in the sand here. I don't think any of that's going on. I think it's getting blown out of complete proportion. People want to sit here and make it out as if you know they're trying to send a bigger picture message in the NFL about we don't want these guys doing their own thing. And Look, the guy's proven to be somewhat injury prone. You've heard me sit up here and say it before. Deshaun Watson is a unicorn. Just because the Cleveland Browns made a mistake and they decided to do something that's absolutely idiotic and ridiculous doesn't mean the rest of the NFL is going to go and follow along and do the same thing. Just because one person in the neighborhood got their house sold for for $2 million when everyone else is, uh, was, was, was rushing the judgment and trying to get a house at the, and the timing of the market was perfect, doesn't mean six months later or a year later that everyone else's in the neighborhood's house is going to sell for a $1 million. That's not how this works. Lamar Jackson really hasn't, quite frankly, proven that he can take a team and win a Super Bowl either. It's not like the guy is Tom Brady. Is he good? Yes. I would argue that he's great. But your best ability is availability. And when you sit out all year long, for the most part, when your team is scrapping and clawing, and rightfully you could say they were certainly in a position to win their playoff game without him. So if you're if you're the the franchise of the Ravens. Are you going to try to invest that much money and that much quote unquote resources and that big big of a slice of the pie towards somebody that you're not sure, one, is going to stay healthy, two, can continue to play at the level that he has proven to be able to play at in years prior, and three... Are there not guys in that locker room that might have a little bit of resentment towards the guy that decided that he might not want to play in a big, meaningful game? You add all three of those things up, and hello, it's not hard to figure out exactly why they might not want to do that. And it's got nothing to do with his mom. It's got nothing to do with who he is and what he's trying to accomplish. If he wanted to come to the table and have a fair deal, he would 100% get a deal done. This isn't about anything other than that. And sure, if you want to spin it some other narrative and these big networks like to do that because they want to turn it into some big old talking point that's not there, then go ahead. I'm not doing that though. And it's it, we're getting closer and closer and closer on this thing becoming a story of something that really will perturb me and irritate me when it's not that at all. And you know where I'm going with this and I don't even want to get into it because it's not what it's about. It's not about... Any kind of status, it's not about his race, it's not about his his mother, it's not about any of those things. It's simply about the economics of the NFL and the ownership groups that are in the NFL deciding that the Deshaun Watson thing is not something they're going to do for their specific organization. There's not closed door meetings going on saying, hey, we're going to need to blackball Lamar Jackson. They're not doing that. What they are doing is they're looking at all of the variables that exist here and they're asking themselves, do I want to sign up for that? And the answer is simply no. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to win a Super Bowl. And quite frankly, I've said this on this, 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 whatever you want to call this, this show many times. If the first thing that you bring up about a quarterback is their legs, then I would be very concerned about investing franchise quote-unquote guy money and years towards it because in my opinion it's yet to be proven that that style of quarterback can win the Super Bowl let's not act like Lamar Jackson doesn't have a great team around him either let's not act like they don't have a great defense Let's not act like it's just all of Lamar Jackson, and that's why the Ravens have been successful. Yes, he is good. Yes, he is better than Huntley. Yes, he's better than probably half of the options in the NFL. But we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about what does this look like four, five, six years from now. That's what this conversation is about. It's not about whether or not they have the best chance to win next year. It's about whether they have the best chance to win in three or four or five years from now. That's what this is ultimately coming down to. And I don't know if your guys' take is different than mine, but at the end of the day, I don't want to sit here and make this story out something other than just the fact that Deshaun Watson's contract is a congratulations to Deshaun. But it's it's not going to be privy to anyone else in the league ever again. Maybe outside of like Joe Burrow, if we're being completely honest, because Joe Burrow, I think and he's in a position where he could go to the table and ask for that, but you know what Joe Burrow has done? He's proven that he can literally win a Super Bowl with every disadvantage that he could possibly have in regards to his offensive line. Now, he's got weapons. I'm not saying he's not. He's had a good defense to play off of. I'm not saying he hasn't, but... Do you feel like the story is starting to spin out of control and being made out more than it is?
1: I don't think that this is anything more than, as you alluded to, you hit the analogy right on the head with uh, selling houses in your neighborhood. This isn't anything more than just a mistaken value of what Lamar Jackson values himself as. Listen, if there's not... Six or seven quarterbacks, you'd rather have quarterback your team right now than Lamar Jackson. When he's on the field, he is MVP caliber. He's fantastic. He hasn't been on the field a lot recently, but still, it's just the fact that Deshaun Watson's contract has messed up the market, the quarterback market. So, so you can't even fathom it, right? And leave it to the, to the Browns to be so mismanaged that their cancerous is ruining other teams in the league because of how bad... They are at managing their own yeah, they, franchise. They stink. They stink. And it is Lamar Jackson who deserves $150 million. He, he deserves a payday. He doesn't deserve 250 or whatever Deshaun Watson got, got guaranteed. Really, no quarterback does. Truly. This is a league that doesn't give guaranteed money. The Browns set a precedent that was so dumb, so beyond what had been given. They went above and beyond the market. And like like Trace said, you're sitting around, you're sitting in your home, and you check Zillow, and you look down the street, and you're like, wow, that house went for half a million dollars. I thought our house was worth like three hundred and fifty. Well, our house has a pool, their house has a pool. Our house has a finished base, uh, finished basement. Their does too. We should we should go list our house for half a million dollars. See what happens. People look at you, and you're like, what? What are you offered? What? That's crazy. You're like, no, 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 no. Someone down the street did it. It's the exact same thing. That's all Lamar Jackson is. It's just a mistaken value appraisal of Lamar Jackson. That's all it is. Nothing more.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've, we've hit the, the horse enough times here. I think it's dead. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I somewhat had this take long ago. I mean, it partially was about Lamar's play. I still don't think he's much of a top 10 quarterback in my opinion. But that's because there's a thing called availability. And he has shown that he's struggled with that when it matters most. And I also think there's some question marks in the playoffs. I don't think he necessarily plays very well in the playoffs. So all those combined, I think, have all the things that we've said, talked about, his value is definitely been misconstrued. I don't think there's anything more than that, though. It's just – and plus the Ravens right now, they – are a very well-managed team and if they know they do this that they are screwing themselves for the future and other targets are keeping this team together and it's just not the business that they're in
2: yeah, and I see people in the chat that bring up the idea that Lamar doesn't have time for to be his own agent and things of that nature. Listen, I actually think that players could be their own agents more times than not if they wanted to be, because all they got to do is, is quite frankly, hire a lawyer, uh, some kind of contract lawyer, and just say, this is what I think I'm worth, this is what I'm willing to get paid, and this is what I want. And it's as simple as that. The problem with that is, is if the player overvalues themselves and the rest of the league Decides that they don't want to pay them that. I don't even think it comes down to the agent thing, quite frankly. I think it comes down to the fact that Lamar has in his head that he wants some kind of guaranteed money similar to Deshaun Watson, and that that ship has sailed. It's gone. It's not coming back. The rest of the league isn't going to sign up for that. And it's not even about the whole quote-unquote, like, Let's hold out so these players don't get guaranteed contracts and they come to expect that. It's it's not about that as much as it is that they don't want to do that because at the end of the day, that is a huge liability to being able to run a good franchise. And nobody is in a position right now that is forcing their hand or forcing their team to be able to have to do that. No one's good enough. Like I said, there's only maybe a couple quarterbacks that could do it. A couple. Aaron Rodgers did it to the Packers, and Joe Burrow could do it to the Bengals, and I'm sure I'm missing a few. But there's only like maybe two or three guys in the league that can that can genuinely go in there and say, I guarantee I need this guaranteed or I'm not coming back, and the rest of the league might offer it. There's not many, if any. Mick Cronin. Uh, I've been a Mick Cronin hater uh, before in my life. In fact, I couldn't stand the guy when he was at UC, if we're being quite frank. I thought he was a baby. thought he yelled at his guys all the time. And I thought that he would make excuses from time to time when in reality, you know, I thought he should probably start pulling the thumb instead of pointing the finger. As time grew on, Mick left. He went to UCLA. Um, I didn't think he'd be successful at UCLA, if we're being quite frank. And I'm, I'm going to stay up here and say that obviously I was completely wrong on Mick Cronin. I, I found myself last night And even the year before when he made his Final Four run, starting to actually respect what he's done and respect the job that he's done and maybe start to think or, or, quite frankly, put myself in a position where I think maybe the circumstances at UC just made it to where he was unable to get the higher-level guys that he needed to get to be able to, quote-unquote, go win in the tournament because that was always the knock that I had on him was, one, his teams couldn't score the basketball, so when they got in a tournament play – they, they, they were going to play a close game regardless. And then ultimately it ended up to where they couldn't find a way to win. And last night, oddly enough, they did go like 9, 10, 11 minutes without scoring. But I don't really know if I put that on a Mick as much as just guys not being able to make plays and hit shots. I found myself last night for the first time actually feeling bad for Mick Cronin. Because I think he's put himself in a position where this year he had a team good enough to win the whole thing. The national championship. And he had two guys go down, two guys in the starting lineup go down, to where if those guys were healthy, and let's be honest, every national championship team has to have a good amount of luck to win it, whether that's in the tournament or whether that's throughout the year and not having the the health bug, if you will, bite you. And the way that he's lost the last few years in this tournament, in fact, let's go all the way back to how he's lost at UC, if you want to go back to Nevada, Nevada. which I know – which I know some don't, but he's earned my respect and I actually feel bad for him. Now I know as a Xavier fan. You're probably not going to say, Oh, I feel bad for him, but he's ran into some difficult luck the last few years when it comes to this tournament and the way that they've lost. They've, they lost on a buzzer beater, uh, which rightfully should have put them in the national championship. And then you turn around and they lost the way they lost last night. And, uh, you can say whatever you want. It was a, it was a, it was a great shot. But as far as quote-unquote, it was a terrible shot. I mean, I don't know how many times that kid hits a logo three, but for the amount of time that was on the clock and for the, the, the realistic chance of that ball going in, I don't like that shot at all. Now, the kid said in post-game, uh, the post-game interview that they work on that shot all the time. He shoots that shot all the time. Mark Few said that he makes it all the time. I'd like to know what all the time is. Is all the time 40%? <laughs> because... I don't think that ball that he shot last night is going in all the time. Mick um, Cronin was probably a lightning rod for you, Reader, maybe when he was obviously at UC. He's moved on. Has your opinion changed of him at all?
1: I think he certainly became – I've thought of him as a greater coach than I did when he was at UC. At UC, I always thought he was he was the reason that they were not advancing in the tournament more often than not. And just like when he went to, to UCLA, I – you're like, what, man, Cronin going to UCLA, going to a blue blood? Like, what are you talking about? And he's done a fantastic job. So, yeah, your, your opinion of him, or at least mine, has gotten more favorable because you respect a man that goes to UCLA and turns a program that hadn't been very good for about a decade now, turns it around, they go to the Final Four his first year, they go to the Sweet 16 in back-to-back years now, and they had a national championship-worthy team, as you mentioned, that just had some injuries, had some banged up. But it is funny That the M.O. for Mick when he was at UC was they can't score. These defensive teams, they're built for March. But last night, Tennessee lost. Last night, UCLA goes 11 minutes. They lead at halftime by 13. And they go 11 minutes without scoring. Yeah, it's just, it's funny. Paul's brought it up all year. the, The old M.O. is that you need defense to win in the tournament. But more often than not, it's... It's a scoring. It was funny. Last night, Mick at halftime, they interview him going into halftime. Did you catch that interview? No. And he goes, like, you got to be really proud of the way your team's playing right now. And he, he looked right in the camera and goes, yeah, when they're putting the ball through the hoop, you seem pretty smart. And then, of course, as you mentioned, they go 11 straight minutes without scoring. Mick's a great coach. He'll continue to win at UCLA. I don't know if he'll ever win the big one. I thought this team had it. I've had, I picked them to win the big one. I don't know if he ever will, but UCLA will continue to be a contender as long as Mick Cronin's there.
2: I think you could argue they could win the big one if if his guys stay healthy this year. I, I mean, it's hard to argue that they that they wouldn't have had a really good chance because a lot of the things that were missing last night, you could say, would have been shored up. The quote unquote things that we're talking about that we're that we're kind of neglecting to to talk about is that you know they lost their best defender, arguably the best defender in the country, on their team, and you would. One would like to think they would make a couple point difference. Tonight you'll find out. I mean, I get the take of the whole offense-defense thing, and certainly throughout the years, I have been on the offensive side of this. However, this year, I do think that Houston could be a little bit of a model for winning a national championship with a defensive-oriented group. However, they can score the ball too. You have to be able to score a little bit. Let's 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 call it is what it is. There's a reason they keep scoring basketball, and it's not because you get stops, it's because you actually put the ball in the hole. San Diego State tonight is a team that I'm telling you is a little bit dangerous. I know many of you might not want to believe that and you think that Alabama is going to walk right over them, but I'm here to tell you, and I've watched a lot of, as you know, I've watched a lot of Mountain West basketball and they've let me down uh, for the most part. There's one team that hasn't let me down and that's San Diego State. And I guess I'm going to sit up here and be a stand for San Diego State and say, that's a pretty damn good team. I'm going to warn you, they're not going to be a walkover tonight for Alabama. In fact, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest bit if somehow... Alabama were to lose this game. Now, I don't think Alabama's going to lose. But again, going back to what I know and what I've seen, Alabama, for sure, uh, if they played 10 times, I think Alabama would win maybe seven or eight of them. I don't think it's like a nine out of 10 thing. I don't think it's like, oh, Alabama beats them 19 out of 20 times. That's not, there's no way that's a thing. So uh, again, before we just write off these defensive oriented teams, let's wait to see what happens tonight. Let's see what happens tonight. Uh, San Diego State and Houston might have a word. Uh, let's jump into Xavier. Xavier plus KC. Um, I was thinking about this last night, and I'm not trying to bring bad vibes to the program at all. I think I, I actually oh, no. put money on Xavier to win this game tonight.
1: Oh, nice. So you didn't get, you didn't swear it off completely?
2: No, but okay, Kansas City this year. Has not been the best place for Cincinnati teams to go to try to win a championship. And I'm just hopeful that Paul's experience will maybe be different than ours.
0: <laughs>
2: However, it wouldn't shock me in the slightest. And Xavier's not supposed to go to the Final Four. Let's start with that. Right. That's, that's, that's number one. Xavier's probably in a position now where we talked about it in this room and Paul has said time to time again... The disappointment would have been if they didn't make the Sweet 16. I'm not saying the season's over by any means. Listen, you might think I'm crazy for saying this too. If Xavier catches lightning in a bottle, they can win the whole thing. There's only a few teams that can't win the whole thing left. If you want to go through them, I think it's relatively simple. I don't think Kansas State can win the whole thing, quite frankly. And I don't think Princeton can win the whole thing, quite frankly. And I don't think San Diego State can win the whole thing, quite frankly. Outside of that, I think FAU can win the whole thing. Damn. I think FAU has been slept on. This team's won like 36 games at this point, or whatever it is, 35 games. You don't win 35 games in the season.
1: Damn right, Unless Trace. you're a
2: damn good team, right, Reed? Damn I, right. We need to stop disrespecting teams in this tournament that come into them because they play in a bad league. Because I'm going to tell you right now, Sean brought up a great point. Conference USA might be a better league than we thought. In fact, one would argue Conference USA is a better league than the Mountain West. Because Conference USA right now has two teams in the NIT semifinals, and they also have FAU. Food for thought. There's no doubt bias that goes into this whole NCAA tournament thing when it comes to bids and it comes from leagues. The Big Ten has proven it. The Big Ten, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, got just as many teams, if not more teams, than the Big 12 this year.
1: Uh, the Big Ten got the most teams. Yeah. So the
2: Big Ten got the most teams in the in, in the tournament this year. And then you turn around and you look at it, and guess what? There's only been, I don't know the stat off the top of my head. You probably do. There's been one team that has made, I believe, the Elite Eight.
1: I'm looking at it right now. In
2: the last, I want to say, like five uh, years. Paul might know that off the top of his head. I seen this on uh, Twitter yesterday. But the Big Ten has been abysmal in this tournament. They've been abysmal in this tournament as of late. And I don't really know if I have an answer to that other than just bias. You got name brands. You got Michigan State. You got Indiana. You got Ohio State. You got Michigan, like it or not. You got Michigan, uh, a team that was probably not very good this year, where at the beginning of this year, everybody talked about how they were going to be good.
1: I would hate, speaking of conferences and conference hate and conference bias, I would hate for for some people around this office that have been down on the old Big East. Yeah, I've been down for, on them. For Creighton and Xavier to win tonight, I would hate for three eighths of the, the final eight teams to be from the Big East.
2: I I like that narrative and listen, the Big East the Big East has done proven their worth this year. They're they're a, a respectable basketball conference, right? Uh, but I do love the idea of what what type of league are you based off of how far your teams get or don't get, and what kind of matchups they get and don't get. It's no disrespect to Creighton. Creighton's going to play tonight. They're going to play against a Princeton team who, yes, they did beat Arizona. However, um,
1: great beat Baylor and NC state.
2: Yes, they did. So I would give them, I'll give them their, their flowers for beating, for beating, uh, excuse me, Baylor at the end of the day, I'm not gonna sit here and hate, hate on the big East. I'm not, you can't do that at this point or else you're just strictly a hater. And, And and truth be told, I've said this before in this office, I don't think I've watched a league more than the big East this year. And from time to time, you know what the big East reminds me of, they have teams that are Jekyll and Hyde. Creighton can be as good as anyone in the country, and they can be just as, about as bad as anyone in the country from time to time. UConn is the is the, about the best example you could use of those, those guys. I don't know how UConn goes from, and I don't know who they lost to in the league. That's terrible. But will you use Xavier? We'll use Xavier, for instance. Xavier's a team that loses to DePaul, and they lose to Butler. Yet, I honestly could say that they could win a national championship. So in that league, maybe you could argue that it's just tough because it's an in league. They're in league rivals, and it's difficult to win when you're in the league. But the Big East is one of those leagues where, at the top of the league, there are some good teams. At the bottom of the league, there are some abysmal teams. And for some reason, the abysmal teams from time to time knock off those top teams, and it makes you wonder if those top teams are as good as they are. Um, did you have some kind of something you're going to? Well, pull I was up, just
1: reading? gonna just to. Hammer home the point about UConn and how great they've been other than a three-week stretch this year. They were the number two team in the country going into New Year's Eve. They go to Xavier, go to Centaf Center, they lose. They then lose their next game against Providence. They beat Creighton. Then they lose to Marquette, St. John's, Seton Hall. They lose to Xavier again, all in about a three- to four-week span, which is six of their eight losses this year. The other other loss that they have is they lost to Marquette in the Big East tournament. They lost by two points. But other than that, I mean, they're a wagon. I think they're, you look at the best two teams and still in the tournament, Alabama, Houston, UConn's played almost just as good as them other than, you know, big, big other than, other than that three-week stretch in January. So, I mean, UConn, they're a wagon, brother. They're They're very good. They
2: are very good. UConn's one of those teams from a talent perspective or from a physical perspective. When they walk out on the floor, you're like, okay. Sanogo's big. We got our hands full. We got our hands full. They are a, uh, um, as once once told me one time, uh, a 5 o'clock all-star. And and for those that don't know what that is, I asked what a 5 o'clock all-star was the first time. Back in the day uh, of Major League Baseball, they used to have batting practice. And they still do. Right around 5 o'clock. And the term 5 o'clock All-Star is supposed to prove to a point that they look good before the game starts. And when the game starts, they don't always look the best. But (laughs) UConn's one of those teams, when they get off the bus or whatever term you'd like to use, they do look like uh, a team that can win a national championship, and they can. Um, Upsets stink now. This is the part of the tournament where I genuinely hope no one gets upset. I don't want to see San Diego State win tonight, even though I think they can. I don't want to see Princeton win tonight, even though I think that they can. I don't want to see Miami win. And outside of that, I think everything else can shape up and we can have ourselves great basketball. You get yourself into a position where at the beginning of the tournament, you're rooting for all these upsets because it's fun and it's entertaining and you just can't fathom or believe that these things are happening. But push comes to shove. We all want... Blue bloods is a strong term. That's not the term I want to use here. But we want the cream to rise to the top. We want to see the best basketball we can possibly see. I'd love to see Alabama have to play against somebody uh, that is really, really good in the national championship game. And I'm not saying Miami, the Hurricanes, aren't that. Miami has proven all year long, and the chat loves Miami. But I'd I'd much rather see Alabama have to play a Houston. And I'll even throw a Xavier in there. um, uh, Gonzaga. Although I do think Gonzaga is going to have their hands full with UConn. Um, but good golly, do not give me. And I know this probably isn't going to happen, but it would be absolutely disgusting if I have to watch Princeton play FAU in the final four. Right. And then all of a sudden I got to turn around and I got to watch FAU and or Princeton play a Houston or a UConn. Like, let's 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 all hope that we do not get upsets moving forward because it, it, it just doesn't bring the best basketball. Yeah. Um, then I'm sure there's people in the chat or people that are, that are hearing me right now saying, well, what about NC State with Jim Valvano? Everybody probably thought that, and then they turn around and won. I guess, maybe so, but I don't want to see it. Opening day, fellas. Uh, people have been asking us or have been saying, hey, what are you guys going to do for opening day? It is, uh, what, next Thursday. Tom is out next week. We are going to do a live show um, from Moraline. In case you can throw the, the, the logo that we have up there now. We are going to go live from 10 to noon out of Moorline. And then we will be there for the most part the rest of the day. We're going to take the video board down there. We'll do a little bit of a, a, a watch party. Uh, there will be a DJ. There's going to be, um, obviously, there will be some beverages to, um, to indulge yourself in out there on the lawn. If you've not been down there to Moorline Logger House, the lawn is right outside of Great American Ballpark, right down the uh, right field line, the foul pole. And it's literally exactly almost as if that logo exists for a reason. So the lawn, literally, uh, if you're standing there looking towards Great American Ballpark, you can see the lights down the right field line. So, you know... I know people are down on the Reds. I understand why. Um, I'm not one to try to, to try to change that for those that are. I get the whole concept of what has been said by this ownership group. I get why people don't like Phil. I get all of those things. Um, I do think the Reds are in a position where they could uh, be interesting this year is the term that I'd like to use. And I don't think that they are not trying to quote-unquote compete. I think I've seen some of the comments and I watched Tom's show about Carnacion, um, strand and, and Carnation Stran, strand, I should say. And I also seen some of the comments about Ellie de la Cruz. Listen, those guys need to play every day. They're not, I don't think bringing them up just based off service time, but I've said this on chatterbox reds from time to time. When you start adding in all the variables that exist with some of these guys, it doesn't make sense to put them on the on the big league roster because at the end of the day they need to play and as much as i like ces and as much as i think he was the best player on the reds this spring the facts are he has not played above double a the facts are that do i think he's a big leaguer i kind of do however joey Votto is playing first base this is joey Votto's last year as a cincinnati red he's going to get every opportunity that there ever was known to man to make that his position. And if you think for for, for a split second that somehow number 19 isn't going to be playing first base for the Cincinnati Reds on his last opening day here, then 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 quite frankly you got your head in the sand. So we're in a position now with the Cincinnati Reds where I would just say to yourself, we don't have a fourth, we don't have a fifth starter. We're just we're just we're gasping for straws at this point. And it's not a negative, it's okay. I get get the idea of, oh, we've heard this story before. It's another rebuild. I would just tell you this. Enjoy the summer. Enjoy the summer. There's no expectations. If anything, hell, it should be refreshing. We don't expect to win. If we win, great. If we lose, we knew we were going to lose. The worst thing is to be the Mets. You could be the Mets every year, think that you got the best roster in baseball, and for all intents and purposes, you probably do. And then all of a sudden, you, you 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 don't win in the postseason. You're losing a one-game playoff. That would be worse if you ask me. So, does it mean I'm completely out on this team? Of course it doesn't. Do I think that they could compete? Probably not. But as I've said before, there's so many storylines that go into this year. Enjoy the Reds for what they are. Enjoy the Reds for what they are. You don't go to a Cyclones game expecting to see Wayne Gretzky. So don't walk into this season expecting to see a team that's going to win 100 games. Am I being soft by giving them a pass? Maybe. But I'm also trying to set my expectations to a point where I I think that I can be rightfully upset by certain things. And I think I'm being unrealistic by being upset by other things. And here's what we want to happen as Reds fans. It's as simple as this. We got three guys that are that are that could be some of the best pitchers in baseball. I'm not gonna go to the extent of saying they could be the best staff in baseball, but I am gonna say that they could be some of the best arms in baseball. Ashcraft be to be honest with you, can be just as good as the other two if, if he if he puts things together. Now you might think I'm crazy for saying that, but I believe that. So if those three guys stay healthy And India plays relatively well. And Stevenson stays healthy, plays relatively well. And we get just one or two of these guys that are playing at the AAA level to come up towards the middle or end of this year and prove that they can belong, then I'm telling you, then we should all jump for joy. Because the the following year, like it or not, we can compete for the division. Now, will it come to fruition will the things that i just said happen i don't know but that's what the story that's what this season's about that's what this season's about and i think that's what david bell was trying to get at when he made the quote-unquote probably idiotic quote which seems to come down uh, from great american ballpark far too often which is you know, we're not worried about winning and losing, we're just worried about competing. That's in and of itself the nutshell that I think he was getting after. Just hasn't stated as eloquently as yours truly. And if Phil's listening, which I'm sure he is, I would I would I would love to be able to try to help him sort through what he should say and shouldn't say. Because a lot of the things that he says are relatively true. Does he come off as a brass, complete asshole? Yes, he does. Is he that? Maybe. I'll let you decide. But some of the stuff he says is true, too. And he just can't eloquently state it in a way in which makes sense. All right. Wheel of lunch. We're not going to disrespect the wheel ever again.
1: Trace, do you think that the Reds have a top 15 starting rotation?
2: I don't follow Major League Baseball enough to know. The starting rotation has to consist of guys that are in the fourth and fifth spot, in my opinion, to be to be even probably part of that conversation. And when I say the Reds have nobody there,
1: yeah, I was gonna say they have
2: nobody there.
1: If you, if you had me to to rank, I would probably, and just also being a Cubs fan and a Reds hater, I would probably put the Reds rotation in the bottom five of the entire MLB. So,
2: Charles says Princeton has beaten Arizona and Missouri. Listen. Arizona was terrible in that game. Missouri's nothing to write home to mom about. Princeton's got something coming for him tonight. Yeah, great. Uh, great they great they got something coming for him tonight.
1: Now we just need. We'll see what happens. Tomorrow.
2: Maybe I'm wrong. Put my hand up in the air and say I'm wrong. But this is where you you, you start to realize those upsets weren't as fun as they once were. Because somebody gets blown out in a Sweet 16 game, or they get quote-unquote blown out in an Elite Eight game, a la St. Peter's last year. So, but I get the I get the sentiment. What's your thought on the new pitch clock? Uh, I think the pitch clock is uh, it, it's fantastic. fantastic. They're going to have to adjust it a little bit. Uh, I do think that there is a little bit of a weird situation, which. The biggest thing with the pitch clock is: is are they gonna are they gonna implement it or 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 officiate it or umpire it, whatever term you like to use? Are they gonna do it the same that they did in spring training, or there is gonna be a little leniency when it comes to the regular season? We don't know that yet, uh, but I like it. When baseball games are lasting two hours, that is good for the sport. I think it's also good for the the um, the average everyday fan that would like to keep somewhat tabs and watch a game but not watch for three and a half hours i don't think it takes away from the game hardly at all outside of a couple of variable times to where if umpires are able to have a little bit of feel is what i'll use the term as i just have a little bit of feel if the guy's literally getting ready to make a pitch and the clock hits zero just like the play clock in the nfl where there's that little bit of a buffer window between the play clock hitting zero and the guy snapping the ball you let the play go I hope we don't get in a position where we're literally calling time to make a ball call or a strike call on a hitter with fractions of a second difference because if the goal is genuinely to speed the game up and you're doing that a lot and or just in meaningful moments, then you're defeating the purpose because the time by the time you make the call and you get back behind the plate and everything resettles and you make the next pitch, it would have been the same as if the pitch was made in the first place. So I guess I'm putting some faith in human beings and making sound judgmental s- skills, which I don't know if we have that in uh, in umpiring and or refereeing. And I know they have a hard job, but sometimes I wonder what their actual goals are when they're out there. Um, yeah, they're gonna use the pitch clock for the postseason. They have to. I mean, the rules are the rules at this point, right? right? So you gotta you gotta get it. You gotta adjust to it. And I think Reeds brought this up a thousand times. In five years from now. This will be a long gone thing. Won't even be thought about. It'll just be a normal, it'll be an expectation. No one's even going to complain about it because they're used to it. Could you imagine the first time they implemented the shot clock in basketball, per se? Could you imagine what it would look like in high school sports if they implemented a shot clock? The first few games and or weeks, people are going to be raising hell about how it's the worst rule in the world. Could you imagine watching a basketball game anymore without a shot clock?
1: I couldn't. Tennessee would be miserable to watch without a shot clock. They'd be holding that ball for forever. It's funny. Thirty years ago, people were hated the fact that they were going to put instant replay for uh, for the NFL. They wanted the, the refs to call every play. Can you imagine watching an NFL game without being able to go to a review now? Yeah, it's ridiculous.
2: Um. Alex Wallace asks about opening day. Nick Kirby's going to come down. He's going to be in studio. We are going to do a show from there, uh, from, like I said, more line the day of. We're going to try to do our big show for opening day, if you will. The night before is the plan. So we're going to try to line up a bunch of guests, do a show out of the studio, do it the night before opening day. Um, because opening day itself from a guest perspective becomes a little more difficult because of a lot of the festivities that are going on, the parade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm sure not to say that, I, I, um, we couldn't do it. I'm sure that if Tom was, uh, was here and available, we might be able to try to start pulling some strings that otherwise we don't really want to try to pull without it. Um, but that's the plan right now for opening day is to try to make a big, big splash show the night prior. Um, Wheel of Lunch. I got to be honest. With today's Wheel of Lunch, Sonic is obviously the main choice for the player known, formerly known as Mouse Cop. Um,
1: you you got to remember, you got to have some fish options. Just there.
2: on there. It yeah, is. it's on there. Okay. Yeah. It is Friday. Yeah, we yeah, do need I've, some fish options for yeah, Reed need Mouse. Some,
1: some non, non-meat options. doesn't have to be fish. So I don't even know if I'm McDonald's.
2: He loves the uh, filet.
1: Oh my God. What, what do I need to put on here then? I, I mean, just, just think of anything. I mean, most places like Penn station's a no. Uh, Chipotle's a no. Arby's is fine. Jolly's is a no, unfortunately. But Gina's on there. And, uh, I don't know. Anyone else got some o- other options? Put Sonic on there twice.
2: Lure up with some fantastic ideas for baseball to grow the game. I got to say One I like this. One beam those. a game. Sean said you can eat Chipotle without meat. Now, he's got a point. They do have rice. They do have tortillas. They do have veggies. You got Sonic on there twice. Oh, yeah. Why?
1: We got to We're paying... Paying reparations
2: Okay. Fair oh, enough.
0: Are we ready with this?
2: Uh, as far as how you can apply to this quote-unquote personality opportunity, um, Chatterbox Idol. Uh, starting next week on Monday, I will have a job posting. And I will make another big announcement here on There's the show. Nice on and we will... Have fun with this. We might, we might, we might find the next Colin Cowherd right here.
1: We might. Who knows? Catterbox Sports. Everett's getting on us. We've had a bad, we've had a bad week with Everett and, and Mouse Cobb. I mean, first off, we disrespect the wheel. Didn't go to Sonic. And then we we <laughs> promised them that I would be off the air if we if we hit a certain number of likes and. Here boy, we are we, the next we day. We they threw me on for for two days. <laughs> Spin that wheel, baby.
2: I like these options.
1: It's looking good.
2: I like these options. Uh, I don't like. That's just yeah. so dumb. Yeah. That's, that's a big. That's tough.
1: that's tough. That's a loss. Sonic, looking likely. Sonic white looking
2: claws, likely. sir boy. I'll tell you what. Um, oh, I don't baby. like white claws. I do think that the that the nooners are actually okay, um, but I I usually prefer just to drink ice cold uh, beer.
0: Ooh.
1: Oh, there goes one Sonic. <laughs> Everett brought up. Uh, the Nick Scott interview reaction. Remember that, Casey? That yeah, was funny. Casey, what a what what a, what
2: a a wild
0: thing to put in the chat.
1: Nick, Nick Scott interview up next.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a little too... And he too said reaction
2: like two things later. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was my bad.
1: <laughs> oh, oh no. Bro, no. We put Sonics. two Sonics in there, guys.
2: Oh, it's going to be the filet. <laughs> I hate to see
1: it. Oh man! Please don't be McDonald's. Filet,
2: that. filet, filet. Oh my gosh! All
1: right,
2: Casey, do me a favor. Fish. I want you to do me a favor right now. I don't care about the copyright. I'll 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 buy time for the for the chat to be able to see this. I will I will fill airtime as they say. If you need me to, <laughs> I want you to look up the Filet Fish song, and you're gonna end the show with that song. Okay. You know fish. what song I'm talking about.
1: Give me back the filet of fish Yes. Give me that fish.
2: Find it. And in the meantime, I want to talk to this audience and tell you that this show was brought to you by Bedfred Sportsbook. If you have a gambling problem, call 100 Gambler. 21 plus in Ohio. And I put in the Discord the other day, and for those that aren't in the Discord, um, I understand, whatever. It's That's beside the point. From time to time, I sit around and I wonder, what can we do better? How can we make Chatterbox better? What are the things that we could do that would, that would, you know, it's not even about growing. I mean, that's the one thing that people probably think about of Chatterbox. Anytime I hear anyone bring up to me, it's like, how do you guys grow? How do you get bigger and bigger? It's not that I don't want to grow. I do want to grow. It's that I just want this to continue to be an authentic thing right? You bring in investors, you bring, you bring in people that want to scale. And the next thing you know, it's all about numbers. It's all about, you know, what your analytics look like. And then the fun to a certain extent gets ripped right from this. So there's this delicate line with me to where I enjoy obviously getting up here and talking sports. It's why we started this thing in the first place is that we enjoy sports. And we thought there was a void relative in Cincinnati when it comes to digital, digital media, I guess is the term to use. And I'm just, I'm hopeful that we continue to to grow and grow and grow, but we do it organically and it doesn't become this thing to where we have to take on these huge investments. The next thing you know, we got to have, you know, we we turn into what I would call quote unquote, a corporate type of company, but I do want to get better. I do want to have different ideas. I do think that there's things that we've tried before that we already know are privy. High school sports is something that's been brought up from time to time. And it doesn't mean – we, we, listen, we started our company covering high school sports. Are we going to abandon it completely? No. But to be able to run a successful business model with high school sports is very, very tough. We've tried it. It's not easy. To make, financials, to make finances make sense. Um, there's not enough people that care specifically about high school sports as an overview. They do care about their specific school. But if we did a 30-minute show on high school sports, maybe maybe a small percentage of people would like to watch the whole show, but most people would only care about their one school that they, that they care about. And inevitably, in a 30-minute show, that might be two minutes. So it's difficult to do those types of things. Um, but I do think... It is smart to try to do one thing. And this is one goal I have. Be interested to see what people think about it. And maybe it's naive to think that we could get to a point and do this. Is I think live is fun. I think people enjoy live content. Yes, we could go and do quote unquote pre-produced shows and run them and put them on YouTube and all that. However, the, the goal, if you will, of mine is hopefully within a few years we have live sports talk about yes cincinnati but also obviously we have to venture out of cincinnati a little bit from time to time just like we do on our shows now that maybe it goes from eight to eight live shows and that's why i bring up this idea of the idol because at the end of the day we're going to continue to add talent and yes we'll go after some marquee names from time to time but i'm going to pump him up just for a second and hopefully he doesn't ask for a raise i'm telling you you can say whatever you want to say. You take our our talent in this office and or people that are outside of this office right now, you take Chatterbox Talent and you put us on a network that has been around for 100 years and you let us basically have the quote-unquote viewership that they've just maintainfully had. I'll put our content up against anybody's. So I'm also not going to sit here and not be naive and just say, listen, we've only been doing this for eight months or maybe less than that. I don't know. I'm just telling you that we have talented people, and it's, up, it's, it's my job to make sure that we utilize that the best of our ability. So hopefully, like I said before, in July, we'll make some, I don't want to say major changes, but we'll make some big changes in hopes that we continue to give you guys as good a content as we can. For that, we have to go to one place today. That place is McDonald's because we respect the wheel. And as respecting the wheel, I can't believe that I get the opportunity to share this as my parting gift to you. Casey, run that track. Give me back that fillet fish. Give me that fish. Give me back that fillet fish. Give me that fish. What if it were you hanging up on this wall? If it were you in that sandwich, you wouldn't be laughing at all.
1: Any day is a great day for a fillet of fish, and right now at McDonald's you can get two golden delicious sandwiches for only $3.33.
2: That is no longer a thing. Take care, everybody.